instead of a prayer of humility, I, I uh, taught on asking God to break us in a, in a way that would lead us to suffer uh, for the Father. And so this is um, just another part of this series. I think it would be very hard for us because uh, we're sinful people and we make mistakes and a lot of times we're centered on ourselves. And so the message tonight is search me. And I just want to read you, just to give you some context of what David is saying, I want to read you all of Psalm 139. I know that may sound like a lot, and I know that may sound like it's boring, but I want you to listen to this. Oh Lord, in verse 1, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down, and are intimately acquainted, acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You've enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence, God? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness, listen to this, is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well, David says. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would, be, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the uttermost hatred. They have become my enemies." And then he says, based on all that, based on the fact that you made me and you care for me, all of that, he puts a cherry on top and he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. What David does here in verse 23 and 24 is he asks God to search every ounce of his being. And I want to break those two verses down for you tonight. When he says, search me, O God, and know my heart, they didn't know a lot about the body back then, but this is what they did know. They knew that the heart was the innermost organ. And metaphorically, he's asking God to strip away every single layer that was David. And he's asking God to search his innermost parts. And he wants God to see him as he truly is. And he's asking God in a really honest and truthful way. He's asking God, I want you to search my heart. The thing that's most real about me, the things that I hold dearly, the things that I think are really valuable, the things that I think are really worthy. God, I want you to search 
my heart. And I think the first thing that we should pray as we ask God to search us is that we would ask God to search our heart. I love this quote by Jonathan Edwards, and I want, I want you to look at the screens. This is meaty, okay? This is awesome. He says, see that your chief study be about your heart, that there God's image may be planted, that there his interests be advanced, that there the world and the flesh are subdued, that there the love of every sin is cast out, that there the love of holiness grows. All of that happens in the heart, and that's why David is asking God to search his heart. That's why David is asking God to search the innermost organ in his soul. He's asking God to search him. And I wonder what God would see if he searched your heart. Because your heart is where all of life comes from, and your heart is where everything that you see is worthy and valuable. It all comes from your heart. And so if you were just as honest with God as David is with him when he's writing this, I mean, what would God see? What would God see you as holding really, really valuable? I mean, would he see a part of you that wants to take time, that just longs for him? Is that what he would see as worthy for you, as valuable for you? I mean, we are so addicted to so many things that have nothing to do with Jesus, and we hold all of those things as worthy, as valuable, and we are missing God because our hearts are just holding on to things that have no value. And, and then we also hold on to things that have some value, but we give them all value. Does that make sense? Like, like there's things that God has given you that are good, but, but you get so controlled by those things that you miss God. Here's just a really easy example, right? And this is something that we all can relate to. It's this. It's our phones, right? And, and while we, these can be good and we can um, use these for great things, I am absolutely addicted to my phone. I'm constantly checking Twitter. I'm constantly checking Facebook. Um, I am constantly texting. I am distracted by my phone. And many of us are distracted, not just with our phones, but with all these things, all these objects that get us distracted. And, and I would hate to know the number of truths that I've missed out in my relationship with God because I've been so distracted in my heart. And I haven't been patiently waiting for him in my heart because I've got all these things around me that I think are important, that I think are valuable. And so tonight, if you want God to search you, you have to ask him to tear away all the layers, to tear away all the pieces, and find out what's really real about you in your heart. What well, doesn't just begin and end there. And then he, he says, try me and know my anxious thoughts. Try me and know my anxious thoughts in verse 23. And that word try, you, it can actually be translated to the word investigate. He's asking God to investigate what's going on in his head. It's not enough for God to know what's in David's heart. He's now asking God to investigate, to look at everything that's in his being. See, David is not allowing any of himself to be isolated 
from asking God to search him. And I think so many times we isolate ourselves and we compartmentalize our spiritual life and we forget that God wants to investigate every single ounce of our being. Would you be willing to ask God to investigate you? Would you be willing to ask God to search you, every single part of you? Because what you long for, you're going to think about. And what you're passionate about, you're going to think about. And what you think is valuable and worthy is going to come up into your mind, and you are going to dwell on that. And you are going to let that sit in your mind, and you're going to think and think and think about it. And if you were to ask God to investigate what's going on in your head tonight, would he be pleased? Or, or would there be so many things that you'd have to change, that, that, that you would literally have to work at, at, at beginning this process of thinking about him? I love this quote by Henry Ford. How many of you know who Henry Ford is? Yeah, started Ford. Thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably the reason why so few people engage in it. And that is so true. That can be applied in so many areas of your life. But in the Christian life, if you don't start to think about the Lord and what he's done to redeem you and how perfect he is and how all these fleeting things that are around you don't matter and you just think about him, that is hard work. Now, what is David thinking about? Like, why is he asking God to investigate what's going on in his head? He would say, try me and know my anxious thoughts, what fills me and gets me worried and gets me distracted. And I would like you to ask yourself, and you might want to write this down if you have a journal if you, or if you take notes ever on your phone or think about this, what gets you anxious in your mind? And I would guess... Uh, that, that it might be the way people perceive you, that it might be your reputation. I would guess that you might be a people pleaser, that you, that you are consumed and you are just anxious about what people think about you. Many of you have all kinds of fears that make you anxious. And, and David is, I mean, in his lifetime, he, uh, Saul tries to kill him. I mean, he is constantly on the run. I mean, he is anxious. And there are things that have you anxious. And you've got to be willing to think more about your heavenly father than the things that have you anxious. You've got to be committed to that. I'll just confess one thing that I really struggle with. I'm a father of three girls. And, and I feel like once a week I hear some story on the news about something happening to little girls, kidnapping or, or, or like, like I could never watch some of those movies that have kids getting kidnapped and, and kids getting murdered. Like, like that just jacks with my head. I have this huge fear that my kids are, are going to get taken or, or abused or, I mean, there are crazy people out there, right? And, and I just have this awful fear and I'm controlled by that sometimes that something will happen to one of my kids. And God just wants me to give him that. Like, he just wants me to give him my thoughts, my anxiety, whatever's going on in my head that, that needs to just be replaced by trusting him. The opposite of anxiety is just trusting your heavenly father. I mean, so much of the Psalms is about trusting God. I mean, you read through the scriptures, trusting God is key. If you're having a problem with anxiety, 
That means you're having a problem with trusting God. And the more you think about trusting God and the more you focus your heart on trusting God, the more you are going to be satisfied in your relationship with God and not controlled by your anxieties. So when you ask God to search you and to investigate not just your thoughts in general, but, but your anxious thoughts, that's everything that's going on in your head. Y'all let him take control. Be captivated by him and think about him. The more you think about him, the more you will trust him to be the Lord of your life. The more that you fix your eyes on him and, and, and you are just satisfied in your relationship with him and you just look at him and you say, God, I have everything I need in you, you'll be satisfied. And you're not ever going to ultimately be satisfied, right, until we're with Jesus. This is a process of us learning to have just this incredible trust in our relationship with our Father. And then in verse 24, it says, And see if there be any harmful way in me. And see if there be any harmful way in me. Here's, here's what David is doing. When he says, see if there be any harmful way in me, he's asking God a question. He's saying, is there anything wrong with what I'm doing? This path that I'm going down, when he says harmful way, he says, is there anything that I could do that could be harmful to myself or, harm, or, or harmful to other people? Is there anything that I could be doing as I'm going down this path that could be harmful to myself or harmful to other people? About three weeks ago, I took Ellie and Anna, my two oldest daughters, uh, outside of Dallas, and we went on this hike about an hour and a half west of Dallas. And on this hike, um, there's cactuses all over the place. And I tell my girls, don't touch the cactuses. And um, there's all kinds of little paths. And I've told them over and over, you will get hurt if you touch the cactuses. Well, my three-year-old Anna is like the daredevil, okay? And she really doesn't care what people say. She always has to find things out the hard way. And so she goes down a path that's really narrow, and we're not all going to be able to walk down. And I'm screaming at her, Anna, stop, stop, you're going to get hurt. And she runs after this cactus, okay? And literally, it's like she has radar. She sniffed it out. She's found this one cactus that she wants, and she just grabs it. And I'm seeing this unfold in, like, slow motion, right? Like, like I'm just like, no! <laughs> and she grabs it, and it's like she just freezes. And I run over there. And I pull her hand off, and there are just tons of thorns all over her hand. And, and she literally, like, she's just frozen. Like, like, she, like, she can't believe what she's done. She's hurt herself. And, and I literally had to take one hand to keep her from moving it. And, and for the next five minutes, she just screamed as I pulled every single thorn out of her hand. And it was an incredibly painful process for her. Guess what she's mentioned at least once a day for the last three weeks? <laughs> Daddy, I'm not supposed to touch cactuses. <laughs> Literally, once a day. I'm like, we're not going on a hike today. We don't have cactuses in our backyard. And what I think is sad is she's learned her lesson and we haven't. Right? Like, like sin will hurt us or our sin will hurt somebody else. 
and, and we'll just continue to do that thing. In a way, spiritually, we're not as smart as my three-year-old is, just like, just like naturally in the world. We continue to run after things that hurt us and hurt other people, and we could care less. David is saying, if there is any path I go down that will hurt me or hurt others, stop me. I don't want to do that. Why would David pray that? Like, I'm asking the question. You, I know I don't do this a lot, but why would David ask God that? Why is he asking God a question like this? Think about his life. Think about D-Town, okay, and the messages I did at D-Town. Why would David say, I don't want to hurt anybody and I don't want to hurt myself? Any thoughts? He knows he's capable of it. He's experienced it. And what was it? What did he do? How did he harm someone? Bathsheba? Who else? Uriah? He kills Uriah? He knows that he can harm people. And if you're honest with yourself tonight, you know that you've probably harmed yourself because of sin you've run after today. Or recently you've harmed somebody else because you cared more about yourself than, than how God would have you treat someone. And if you're really honest and want to pray that search me prayer tonight, you would say, God, search me so much that I would be convicted of the harmful road I've run down, regardless of whether it's you or someone else. And you would call that person tonight if it's someone else. If you're really honest and you want God to investigate you, and you would just confess that. And, and, and you just say, man, I'm sorry, I blew it. See, asking God to search you, you will always ask yourself good questions. You will always ask God questions about you. You will always ask other people that love Jesus questions about you. What are some questions that you could ask other people about yourself? Like as you're examining your heart and, and as you want to be more like Jesus, what are some questions that you could ask other people? Again, this is like it's open mic tonight. What, what is one question that you could ask somebody else as you're examining your heart? Somebody just shout one out. Okay, that's a great question. What worldly object fills my life? What's another one? Yeah. Okay, somebody build on that question. Is there any way that I've hurt you or someone you know? What's another question that's connected to that? Yeah. Point out to me how I can love you like Christ would love you. And, and I would ask a bigger question than that. Hey, do you see anything that's, that's in my life that's jacked up? And those that know you best know how you're jacked up. How many of you are here tonight and you know somebody here and how they're jacked up? Raise your hand. Like, it's okay. All right? Let's just be really honest. Okay, Tommy knows me well. Tommy, you tell me in front of everybody one way that I'm jacked up, okay? <laughs> tell me, this is just, this is search me, God, okay? And so you ask good questions. Tommy, what's one way that I'm jacked up? What's one thing that I need God to strengthen me in? Tommy didn't know I was going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Of of I get distracted very easily. All right. What's another one? 
This is fun. No, this is, this is what Christianity is about. This is the secret to the Christian life. And this is why so many of us don't get it, because we don't want other people to tell us how we can be more like Christ. What's another one? Yeah. Yeah, insecurities. And what, what's another way to say that? Inse- people pleasing. See, Tommy knows me well, right? He knows my insecurities. I mean, that was spot on. Did y'all get that? You need people to be that honest about you and your relationship with God. I mean, you've got to have people around you. You've got to. And if you don't have people in your corner telling you how you can become closer to Christ and more like Jesus, you're just not ever going to pray this search me prayer. Okay, here's the last thing, okay? Here's some application. Look at, look at verse 24. See if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. And that word everlasting, you can translate in two different ways. And here's your application. Everlasting way can be everlasting and eternal. Like, like God is eternal, and, and so you want him to lead you in this, in this eternal life. You can also translate it as abundant life. Abundant life. And that is the, the abundant life that Jesus calls us to have. Like, like when you ask God to search you, you will have everlasting life. You will have abundant life. Not only will you have eternal life with the Father someday, but you can have abundant, real life in your relationship with God now, today. And I think if you're in, if you're in a place in your life where, where you're like, I just don't feel that. Like, like there's no everlasting, there's no abundant, there's no like real substance in my relationship with God Maybe it's because we haven't asked God to search us, search our heart, search our mind, search every fiber in us spiritually that we would ask God, who are we? Like, like who do we really love? Do we love God? Or do we love the world? God, search us. That is such an important prayer that, that you would pray, God, search us. And you will find everlasting life. You will find abundant life. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any harmful way in me and lead me to everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, I pray that these students would pray, search me, O God. I pray that these students would ask you to search their heart. I pray that these students would be committed to asking other people, to search their heart. God, I pray that these students would be committed to asking you to search their mind, what they think about, what they dwell on, what fills their head. And God, I pray that all of us would be committed to just constantly asking you to search us. God, I pray that if, if any of us are here tonight that, that um, know, if we were to be completely honest, God, how, how we're hurting our relationship with you, how we're hurting other people. God, if there's action steps that we need to take, I pray that we would take those tonight. God, what a terrible thing it would be for us to walk away tonight forgetting your word. 
forgetting to ask you to search us. God, let us leave tonight just a little more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.